I'll put this down here now. Thanks, Joel. Threw his message away. How's that? Second Timothy. I want to continue week finishing off a little series on new things uh, today. Uh, January is already finished. Far out. February is just about upon us. Uh, and uh, we've been just uh, we've been using our base verses as um, from Isaiah. In Isaiah 43:19, it says, "Behold, I can do a new thing." And um, Isaiah is uh, God's asking Isaiah to speak to the nation of Israel because they're in captivity in Babylon. And he says, "You know what, guys? I'm going to do a new thing. You know, if you're in jail and someone come and said to you, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something new.' And you're thinking first straight away, you'd be thinking, oh, get me out of prison.' Uh, which is exactly what God was referring to with the Jewish people coming out of Babylon. They'd been there 70 years. And he says, I'll do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the what? In the desert, hey. And so God uh, was declaring through the prophet Isaiah something fresh and new. And I always of the opinion that God always wants to do something new. I think every day God wants to do some, take you further along the road to what He wants to do in your life. I don't think He wants to, us to sit just stagnant and I'm happy just to sit here. I think he always wants to do something. So uh, in the light of that, I want to read a passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2 today, uh, in verses 8 to 13. Uh, Paul is writing to his young mentor, Timothy. Paul is uh, probably in his 60s now, or 50s or 60s, and Timothy is maybe in his uh, mid-20s, early 30s. And so Paul is writing to him. The reason Paul isn't there talking to him directly is because Paul is now in his second stint of prison, imprisonment. It's around AD 64, uh, 5, and 6. So uh, he's in Rome. He's in a Roman prison. And, um, and it's a damp, dark prison. You, you say, how do you know that? I, well, they've actually excavated the possible prison that Paul went to, and I had the opportunity with my, with Michelle and I to go and see, and Lydia to go and see that in Rome. Anyway, but it was no place to call home, I tell you. Um, so Paul is now his second stint in prison. Um, just as a as an interesting point, this is his second stint because the first time he was in prison was around 61 AD, and uh, he was actually in house arrest. If you read the scriptures. So he was allowed to have his friends come and see him. So, you know, it wasn't such a bad imprisonment, the first one. The second one is nothing like the first. It is really cruel because they've actually chained him in that prison. And you'll see what I, when I read this, of course, he refers to that. So he's chained maybe to the wall or to the floor of the damp, dark prison. And he says to Timothy, in actual fact, as I read this, I thought, this is the last place you'd expect a letter of encouragement. Is that true? In your darkest moment, do you write letters or email people encouraging them? <laughs> well, you know, it can't happen, but it, that's, what, that's what Paul's doing with Timothy. And he says in verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 2, remember Jesus Christ. That's always a good thing to remember. We, we're doing that today. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from, uh, descended from David, uh, which is talking about his heritage. This is my gospel, Paul says. Verse 9, for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. There he is, his reference to being chained. But God's word is not changed or chained. <laughs> Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Who's the elect? 
people who are yet to receive Jesus Christ. It's us. So Paul endured for the sake of us, that they too may obtain salvation. If you're here today and receive Jesus in your heart, you're included here, right here. And eternal glory is our destination. Verse 11, here's a trustworthy saying. We died with Him, we will also live with Him. Verse 12, if we endure, we'll also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. Please don't see 12 and 13 as a contradiction. Because it says in verse 12, if we disown Him, He will also disown us. And then it says that yet in verse 13, He, won't, he cannot disown Himself. Please understand there are two different meanings, and, and verse 12 is talking about the, the, the point where we just say, don't even believe in God, forget Him, can't stand Him, and walk away, and God says, okay, well, I suppose I can't, I'm not yours, you're not mine anymore if you walk, you know, but in verse 13, it's talking about something completely different, and we'll explain that. Um, so as I said, um, Paul's writing this from prison, and he uses two words, uh, this cruel imprisonment being chained, he writes these words. He says, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Words that maybe you wouldn't expect to hear from a person who's being treated unjustly and cruelly. And the words, the two words are endurance and reigning. He's talking about um, reigning. I love the reigning bits of life, don't you? I love when the, the, the dream comes to pass or the hope is fulfilled or the miracle happens. I love those times. I love... I love the times where uh, relationships are restored, lives are turned around. Uh, maybe those friends of mine have come to Jesus or relatives. I, I love those reigning bits. They're the time when you go, yes. Uh, they're good moments, aren't they? And Paul, he's talking about the reigning. Um, and they can be for us those new things, those new moments in life where something shifts or changes. But then Paul also talks about the word endurance. And endurance is what we find is needed because there's always a process in life. Because you've got a dream or you've got a hope or you want to see something fulfilled. Or, uh, and uh, to get from here to there, there's a process. The Bible talks about, Paul talks about in uh, other chapters of the Bible, other books, he says about pressing in and pressing through. It, it takes that sometimes, doesn't it? Pressing in, it's enduring. Enduring, I've noticed uh, for me, I, don't, I, I think for all of us, is not a moment, um, but it's, and it's not an event. It, 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 it just takes a bit of time. It, 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 um, it's not just one prayer sometimes I've discovered. Have you discovered that? It's just not one prayer. Oh, well, God's got it. No, sometimes uh, the actual scriptures talk about, you know, praying continually. Um, it's just, it's a moving on. It's called endurance. It's called endurance because it can take longer than you think. Have you ever had anything, you come to the start of the day and you think, well, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be here and here at the end of this day. I'll have all this completed and it never gets done because you just there's other things that you didn't realize are going to happen in that day that you just never get to the point where, you, you know, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I've come to those points in my life and you've just got to resolve about halfway through the day and say, hey, you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to get it done, but I'm go it's a process. I'm going to get there, but not just today. Because we can get very frustrated, very angry. <clears throat> I want this now. Uh, but if there's a process, I've often find. So the word endurance means to carry on despite the hardship or to carry on through. And it can mean 
carry on despite the fact that you got hurt or the fact that you ran out of money or someone said something nasty or the fact that you didn't get, um, your prayer wasn't answered straight away or, or, or maybe the fact that you got sick when you thought you shouldn't have got sick. It's pressing on through anyway. It's not giving up. It's not saying, well, blow it. <laughs> no, it's saying, hey, I'll keep that in mind. I'm going to press on through. And, the, and, and, and so Paul talks about endurance and he talks about reigning. And as I said, I love the reigning bits, but they're the bits where you get to prevail. They're the bits where you get to rule and you get to have the joy of the success. You're, but you only arrive at the reigning when you, in, um, when you, of course, learn the endurance of life. Uh, so Paul, Paul puts it very simply, endure with him and you'll reign with him. Endure, go through it. So many people want the reigning uh, and, uh, and they want the enjoyable moments, but they've got to re- maybe we've got to realize there's a need to endure. Because if we uh, don't endure, the thing is, sometimes we don't. What we do is we run, run away. I don't want to face that. But I've discovered if we draw near to God, He'll take you around the mountain again and again and again until somewhere in that 40 years process of desert walking, you realize there is a promised land and you need to endure and you need to come out. So uh, I've discovered some things, that there are things that take place when you endure. Uh, during your endurance, there are things that happen to you. It can, it, 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 change, it can change you. It can transform you. There's some great things in the midst of endurance, in the midst of those patient moments. And I want to talk to you about that today. And you say, oh, I thought you were going to share a really happy message. Well, let me encourage you that in the midst of endurance, who said you can't have joy and happiness and peace still? You can. In the midst of the times when things aren't going so well, I tell you, we have a God. And that was what last sermon was about last week. Uh, Because praise is powerful. And thanking Him is amazing. And it does create a different atmosphere within your mind and heart when you do that. But today we want to talk about this moment of enduring because during your endurance, there's things that happen. I want to talk about what happens. And so let me turn to your, just to a couple verses I read already, 11 and 12. Here is what it says. Here's a trustworthy saying. I'll I'll reread it to you. Paul says to Timothy, trustworthy saying. Here's something you can bank your life on. This is trustworthy. He says, if we die with him, who's him, Jesus, we will also live with him, Jesus, if we endure, we will also reign with Him. That's Jesus. Um, so notice the two words. Um, Paul emphasizes live with Him and reign with Him. And if we were to look at Paul, what's Paul saying? He says, you can appreciate the thing about Paul's imprisonment. He actually had a fair idea that his physical life was going to end soon. In actual fact, we know when he wrote this around AD um, 65, 66, AD he actually died uh, just a year after possibly he wrote this. So he, and he had it. If you read the scriptures, you'll see he he hinted that his death is drawing near. He was actually um, historically they say he was beheaded in Rome after that second imprisonment or during that second imprisonment. But the, the, but now Paul's saying, if we die with him, we'll also live with him. What dying is Paul talking about? The death of a physical his physical being. Well, no, I I think he's talking about the reality of that, that in the midst of his endurance, in the midst of his prison, he's got life. He can still have life. In the midst of being chained up, 
in the midst of um, being cold and having sleepless nights, he has still got life. He says, Paul's saying, you know what? If we die with him, he's talking about dying to my ego, dying to my selfishness, dying to me and living for him. I can have life. And then he, and then he says, you know what? And um, we can reign with him then. In the midst of our moments of darkness, we can reign. We can have joy. Because who knows that the world places a lot of particular emphasis upon what we have. But, you know, the Christian faith puts emphasis on what we have inside here, who we have. And you can have incredible peace and joy in the midst of your prison or your darkness or your moments of endurance. So Paul, what Paul is really saying, so this, this speaks to us because, and Paul was saying, it's just not existing, it's having life. You can have life with Him, not just existing, not just getting up and going, another day. Trunging, you know, you know, shuffling through the day, get to the end of the day, have a sleep, get up another day. I tell you, there's life in Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be like that. There's life. It's not just existing. Paul's saying, we can live with Him. And so as I look at this, I knew uh, Paul was saying, he's, I think Paul was saying, you know, as I go through what I'm going through, I'm becoming a better person. So here's my point. When we endure, we become better people. We become better people. Who doesn't want to be a better person? All of us. Who doesn't want to throw off some things he don't need? All of us. Who wants to embrace some new things? All of us. Who wants to do things, some di different things that you've done before? All of us. It's always, see, God always wants to renew you. He says He wants to give you abundant life. So there's new things. And so my point is, is that he, we become better people when we endure. That's what it does. The endurance, the patience, those moments in life, they make us better people if we're willing to embrace it. Uh, James actually says in one, chapter 1, verse 4, Let patience or endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking what? Anything. Not lacking anything. So uh, we become better people. There was a gentleman called George um, Mallory. Uh, that's probably a name that none of us really recognize. But I tell you what, he nearly became incredibly famous. He was famous, but incredibly famous because he was the man who nearly climbed Mount Everest for the first human to ever do it. First person. So in 1920, uh, that's, a long, that's a while ago, isn't it? George Mallory had a team of uh, um, explorers and a team of mountaineers, and they attempted to climb Mount Everest. They, they failed their first attempt. They didn't make it. They came back down. They, they rethought it through. They went again. They failed the second attempt. The third time, they went back again to Mount Everest and said, we're going to do it this time. And, uh, and a 1,000 meters from the top, from the summit, George Mallory um, they just had a, a he just had enough strength. He says, I'm going to go it alone. All the rest of his team are pretty had it. So he went alone. He never returned. He died on the mountain. In 1924, he died on the mountain. Interesting side note, they never found his body until 1999. They found him perfectly preserved in the ice and snow and brought him back down and buried him finally. Not, that's a long time, isn't it? He died on the thing he wanted to conquer. But the interesting thing is, his team at, in 1924, as we go back to 1924, they came back. They were a bit broken um, because now their leader, George Mallory, had 
passed away attempting to climb Mount Everest. And so they had a banquet for him. And they, at the one end of the table, people came, other people came and celebrated, wanted to celebrate his life. And, and they put a big picture of Mount Everest on one end of the banquet table. And, and the leader, the two I see, the George Mallory, stood up. And he began to speak. And as he began to speak, the, the tears run down his face. And he looked at the picture of, of Everest at the end of the banquet table. He says, you know what? I speak to you, Mount Everest. You have taken our brave leader, George Mallory, and you've defeated us once. And you've defeated us twice. And you've defeated us three times. But Mount Everest, we shall someday defeat you because you can't get any bigger, but we can. We can. And I would ask you, and, and you know, the truth is, in 1953, there was a man called Sir Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa Tenzin, forgive me if I didn't pronounce it correctly, who actually did. Humanity conquered Mount Everest. It took 29 years later, but they did it. And I love the speech of that man. Everest, you can't get any bigger, but we can. And I think God would want to say to you today, if you're going through, don't give up. Because you know what? That problem can't maybe not get any bigger, but you can get bigger than the problem. You can get bigger. And that's what endurance does. It makes you a better person. It makes you bigger on the inside. It can help you, grow you. I never grow in the times when there's no pressure on my life. I'm quite comfortable just to sit as I am. But when something comes, it's an opportunity for God to do something fresh in you. The truth is, I've discovered going through difficult times does not make you a better person. Because going through difficult times actually can have the opposite effect. It can make people bitter and twisted and hurt and cynical and suspicious and, untrust, and untrusting. But, so going through difficult times doesn't make you better. Enduring through difficult times can make you better. That's what makes you better. Because times, when we go through difficult times, we can turn around, give up, turn around, go back, and we can say, I've had enough, I don't want to do this. It's not the time to do that. It's the time to press on, isn't it? Endure. Because that's what makes you a better person. Those attributes that we all know are forgiving others, being thankful in all circumstances, praying for those who hurt you, keep loving God, keep in fellowship. They're the attributes that God would say, you know, they're the things that will help you endure. They're the thing. They're the attributes of an enduring person. The Bible also talks about overcoming, and they're the, they're the attributes of an overcomer. So the very first thing we see is about, about um, coming through difficult times, or, or is enduring is that uh, we become better people. Here's the second one, and we'll move on. Second Timothy chapter two thirteen. If we are faithless, it says, this is what I read to you. If we are faithless, he remains what faithful, for he cannot disown himself. The word faithless, when referring to us, means if we are unbelieving. So this means, in other words, if you can't, if you can't, you say, I just can't see it. I can't see it any way through this. It's like a fog. I can't see the end of the tunnel light. I can't, I can't do this. I, 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 I can't see a way through this. If we're like that, I'm just thankful that the other word faithful in relation to God literally means this, trustworthy. In other words, here's the, here's the verse again. God is completely trustworthy when we, can't, when we think it's impossible and we want to turn away. Even if we're unbelieving, God says, you know what? If you just trust me, it'll ha- it can happen. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you know the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways, uh, and nearly lean not unto your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. 
you write that in birthday cards to other people. I've written it many times. I've got to live it, but... Uh, you know, so we, so an, another thing that is happening in endurance, here's the point, you can develop an incredible new trust in God. And I think we need to do that. And I think every time we go through something, there's a, there's a learning process of trusting Him, of trusting Him again, trusting Him again, trusting Him again. Because we could struggle when going through difficult times because it just doesn't make sense. It, have you ever gone through something and gone, this doesn't make sense? Why is this happened to me? Why has this happened at the moment? Why did this happen? And, you know, often uh, when we start to just ask that question, we'll start to see, oh, I can see why this happened. This has just jolted me to a reality of what I was doing I shouldn't have been doing. Or maybe it's jolted me into reality to think about the consequences of my future. I, I just need to see that, you know, sometimes God will very clearly give you the why, but sometimes we're not quite sure why has this happened. We're not really quite sure. And here's the thought, it's easy to depend on your own understanding when the situation is easy enough to understand. But when you're in a corner and you don't understand it, and, and you can, you've got to depend on something outside yourself, and that dependence can either be on yourself, or you can run away from it, or you can trust God. And that's, um, and that's when we see, if you don't understand it gives you opportunity to trust Him in new levels and trust Him. You see, endurance comes not by understanding what you're going through, but understanding what God is like in those times of not understanding. Just knowing, because Paul uh, said to Timothy, you know what God's like when, Timothy, you're, you really don't know the future and you're unbelieving, uh, this can never happen. When you're saying it's never happened, you've got to realize what God's like. He's trustworthy, even though we're not. He's trustworthy. The Jewish Holocaust is one of the terrible, tragic episodes of modern history. Incredible. Millions of Jews were either martyred, killed, or slaughtered, or just died of starvation. And yet, it yielded some astonishing stories of bravery and faith. And I had the opportunity to go to the Jewish Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, just actually just on two years ago with Michelle. And... Um, Man, that was a moment in life. That's an iconic moment for me to walk through the Jewish Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. Anyway, there's stories all over the all over the walls, and there's movies happening. You can sit for five minutes and watch this movie. You can you can look at oh, it's just incredible information. It's too much to take in. You'd need a week, but anyway, we spent two hours. And, and one of the stories um, is quite. There's a lot of good stories. You you know some of the stories, but there's one story I never heard of before. It is about a couple Jewish families who escaped to France and these Christian French nationals took them in and put them in their basement and it just wasn't for to hide them from the um, uh, the Nazis who were scouring Europe looking for Jews and as soon as they found them usually they they either shot them dead or they um, I can't put them in prison war camps where they may have died or not died but it was a tra it was a tragic part of our world's history would you agree but um so these French, um, local French farmers took these couple of Jewish families and hid them in their basement, as many other people around Europe did. Uh, and it wasn't just for one day, and it, and because the days turned into months, and the months turned into about a year and a half, and this family hid there, and they were never found. And it wasn't until, of course, the war finished in 1945 that they finally were able to come out of hiding and find and see the light of day again and then start a new life. Uh, which was incredible. But amazingly enough, 
day after day, month after month passed, and these families hid, hid them. Yeah, the Germans come, but they never found them. Um, this is, they found many, but they didn't find these ones. And at the end of the war, can you appreciate that these uh, Jewish families hiding there, not knowing if today would be the last day of their lives? If they were found, they may be shot or they may be exterminated or taken to prisoner war camps. Uh, they didn't know. Every morning, probably to some extent, they'd wake up thinking, is this the last day? They were Christian Jewish people who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was after the war had finished um, and they came out of hiding, there was found an inscription on the wall of the basement of this French family's house. And this is what it said. I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in love even when it is not given. I believe in God even when it seems he is silent. And I think that sometimes we have a prayer and we cry out to God in the mist and we're pushing through, but we think God's silent. God is not silent because when they were in they were in that bunker or in that basement waiting to, uh, for the war to finish. You know, there was a whole lot of British soldiers and British commanders and a prime minister called Winston Churchill who was planning their escape because he was planning. They, they hung in there and the British people fought back and pushed back to Germany and, of course, liberated uh, Europe again. And I want to tell you, when you're in that, sometimes in that basement and you think, dark, and I'm just going to hang in there, God is planning your victory. It's just that we don't see it yet, but he's there planning it. The day you'll come out is a day where you'll see the sun. You know, you don't believe, we don't, we don't um, say the sun's not there if it's a cloudy day. We have faith the sun will come out. We'll see it again sometime. And so with what God plans for us. Um, we're going to move and finish with this last one as the team come. Another thing that happens when you endure, it says in, in I'll finish with this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. It says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. I love this. Why did Paul tell Timothy to remember that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Why did Paul emphasize the rising of Jesus from the dead? I want to tell you why he emphasized it, because he was trying to indicate to them that the most wonderful thing about Jesus rising was the fact that he didn't rise straight away, but there was a, there was a gap, there was a delay, because Jesus died uh, three days earlier, was buried, but he rose, it took three days for him to rise again. And so often, that's why Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ and him rising from the dead. It didn't happen straight away. There was a delay. And often there's a delay between the promise and the, uh, uh, when you get the promise and the answer comes. There's often a delay between what happens, your dream and the breakthrough. And it mightn't be three days, it might be three years. It might be a long time. But it can come. And as Paul says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. Rise from the, he rose from the dead. Because in the three days, remember some disciples said, oh, well, this is finished. And they went back, what? Fishing. Remember the Pharisees said, we've finally dealt with that Christ, that man, Jesus Christ. He's out of the picture. The devils and demons, I'm sure, said, we've won. We've beaten him. He's dead. And then there come an earthquake and a trembling. And he rose from that grave victorious. And the demons and devils had to shrink back and the Pharisees wanted to hide it. And the Christians and the Jewish and the disciples, of course, rose up and became incredible men and women of God who served their uh, generations. I want to tell you there's a rising, but it can be a delay. There can be a gap. Often there's a gap between what you're believing for and when the answer comes. 
there's a gap and it's, it's this delay and it's this enduring moment where we've got to, but I want to encourage us because here's the answer. You've got to learn to hold your nerve in the gap. You've got to learn to hold your nerve, not give up. And you may say this morning, well, you know, um, I thought I was supposed to go to Bible college. Um, I think God told me, well, He probably did, but where's the money? I don't know, hold your nerve. You know, whatever it may be, I thought it was God's will for my family to come to, to Jesus. Yes, it is, but it hasn't happened. When's it going to happen? I don't know, but hold your nerve. You know, I, I thought God was going to heal me. When's it going to happen? I don't know. I know He wants to heal. I don't know when He's going to, but hold your nerve. Stand in the gap. You know what? When I read, I was, uh, the word gap is just three words, G-A-P. And I often refer to that when I've stood, stood in that delayed moment, it's not happening as I thought it should. I call it the gap because gap stands for me personally anyway. God answers prayer. So in the gap, God still answers prayer. It's just that you can't see it yet. Don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Look, just last thing, I'll finish with this, but I was 13 years of age. I'd just come to Jesus. I was passionate, excited. I want my whole family to come to Jesus. I'm praying for my mum and dad and my brothers and sisters. I'm praying for them till every day I'm praying for them, praying for them. I left these flyers around the house as a 13-year-old for mum and dad to read. You know, it's a kind of a subtle way of getting the message out. Mum came to me one day and said, what are you? She's angry. What are you doing? Do you think that leaving these things around, I'm going to read them and you're going to, don't you think I'm a Christian? I didn't answer her. I'm 13. When you got an angry mum, just shut up. I now in hindsight realized she was totally, she did read it and she was totally convicted. She, that's why she was angry. I brought it, um, fast forward seven years, I brought it to a meeting here. Evangelist preaches the message, people come to Jesus. I take my mum home. She didn't come to Jesus. I'm in the front seat of my car. Some of you heard this. I park up in her house. I'm 20 years of age. And I say to mum, what do you think of it? And she gets really angry again. She says, don't talk to me about that meeting. And then I looked at her. And as a 20-year-old, I was seven years wiser. Now I could speak back to my mum in a loving way. And I said, mum, do you need to come to Jesus? She burst into tears and said, yes. And I led to Jesus in the front seat of my car. And I thought, you know what? It was worth praying. It was worth the gap of seven years to keep on praying. My dad's a different story. I was, um, I was believing for salvation. I, at about 22, I had a vision of him holding his hands up and worshiping God. I thought, I thought it was at church somewhere, like our church. Um, and, uh, and I thought, well, that's, I'm going to hang on to that promise. 33 years, fast forward, dad is now incredibly sick. He knows he hasn't got long to live. He rings me up and he's starting to talk about his life. I said, dad, can I pray for you and with you? He says, yes, please pray. So I prayed a prayer of response and commitment to Jesus. And then on the other end of the phone, I said, dad's listening. And I said, dad, do you believe in that? Do you receive that? He said, yes, I do. I thought, that'll do. But 33 years it took. So maybe that vision of dad holding his arms up and praying was actually in heaven. I, I think we'll do that in heaven. I don't know. But I want to just say, stand in the gap. Don't endure it. Endure it. It's worth it, folks. Don't run. 
You might have moments of, of not knowing what is going to happen, of darkness and, oh God, I can't believe. That's okay. Bring it to Him. Because you become better people, you develop a deeper trust in that relationship with God, and you learn to hold your nerve. Can we stand? Thank you this morning. Incredibly patient. And I would just pray. Father, today, come on. I know we prayed earlier, particularly for people who are just sensing that there's some struggle, there's some valley they're going through, there's some in, there's something they need, and that's endurance and His strength in their hearts. So I just pray for that today, Father. I thank you that you're a God that is well able to do far beyond we could think or imagine. And God, that I, I think the biggest thing here is um, it's not about that we don't acknowledge what we're going through, but often it's we've got to acknowledge you in the midst of what we're going through and and enlist your help. So help us to do that, God. Help us to actually get up and say, God, I just thank you and praise you. I just invite you into my life. I put aside my ego and my selfishness and I just invite you to come and help me because I need you. And it's not about me, God. It's about you and your purposes and your will. So Father, I pray that you'd help us to pray that prayer that you'd strengthen people today and they'd look to you. And we wouldn't be pulled and pushed by the circumstances of this world, but we would be drawn by the presence and the beauty of our God. And we'd know your strength in the midst of our trials. And I ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees, come on, what do you say? Amen. Come on. One more song and we're going to close. Thank you, everybody. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak Jesus, till every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus, your name is power, your name is Jesus. strong. 
you just go and have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever this morning once you just relax for a moment enjoy someone and uh have a great day hey god's good and uh that doesn't we can have a good day too bless you